Shopping for insurance can be time-consuming. That's why when it comes to your auto and home insurance needs, make things simple and trust the experts at Allstate. They help you get the coverage that fits your needs while helping you bundle your auto and home. Bundling saves you money and time, so you can enjoy the things that matter most. Contact Haymarket agent Rick Robertson or tap the banner to learn more. Are you in good hands? Not available in every state. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company, Allstate Property and Casualty Insurance Company, Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company, and Affiliates. Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Got to start every single Friday with a look back at Thursday Night Football. Hey, listen, I never want to jump to conclusions. I never want to rush to judgment. Not based on a small sample size like this. I mean, you do that, it's going to end badly. You do that, you'll end up slamming a crow sando. So I'm never one to make a declaration about an NFL team before the middle of September. It's dumb. It's hair trigger. It's stupid. You will look bad. But having said all that, after watching last night's Ravens-Bengals game, I have come to a conclusion. I can now say this. I can say it right now in week two. Based on what I saw last night, I can say unequivocally, the Buffalo Bills are not good. In fact, the Buffalo Bills might be terrible. The Ravens smashed the Bills 47-3 on Sunday. Then Baltimore goes out and gets humiliated for the first 29 minutes last night against the Bengals. They fall behind 28-7 against a Bengals team that we know never gets it done in prime time. They fall behind 28-7. They couldn't get out of their own way on defense. But again, as I was watching that game, I wasn't thinking about the Ravens or their defense or the fact that Joe Flacco was looking very Flacco-ish and not at all elite. I wasn't thinking about that. I wasn't thinking about whether or not the Ravens ought to just toss the keys to Lamar Jackson on a permanent basis. I was thinking about the Buffalo Bills because last night's game says more about the Bills than it does the Ravens. Against the Ravens defense on Sunday, Buffalo could not manage a first down in the first half. Against the same Ravens defense last night, the Cincinnati Bengals could not stop scoring. Here's Andy Dalton to A.J. Green. Dalton throwing back of the end zone. Caught by Green. Touchdown. A strike by Dalton. Green wide open. As you know, that's Westwood 1. Oh, and here's Andy Dalton to A.J. Green. Caught at the 25. Breaking free to the 15. Near side. A.J. Green. He takes it all the way for the touchdown. Dalton to Green again. Yeah, and stop me if you've heard this before, but... Andy Dalton to A.J. Green. Dalton zings it to the end zone, far side. It's caught. Touchdown. Number three, a hat trick for A.J. Green. They can't stop the combination, Dalton to Green. Right? Hey, listen, I'm no Wade Phillips, but after a couple of touchdowns, I don't know, maybe you start to try to cover A.J. Green? Hell, the way he was playing last night, I might just tackle this guy at the line of scrimmage every single play and just take the penalty. Because the Ravens had no shot whatsoever at stopping Green in the first half. The guy looked like a grown man who snuck onto the field in a Pop Warner game. Busting free whenever he needed to and shaking off Raven would-be tacklers like they were nothing at all. And those were the same Ravens who held the Bills to 153 yards. And not in a quarter, not in a half, not even in three quarters, but for the entire game. And here they were getting carved by the Red Rifle. 
The guy who was a hero in Buffalo for beating Baltimore last season was reminding everybody just how bad the Bills are this year. This is what I'm saying. The Bills are terrible. It was a brutal half for the Ravens. They played like, I don't know, let me think for a minute. The word I'm fishing for. They played like, the word is, oh, Eric Weddle has that word for me. They played like crap. They played like crap. He tweeted as much after the game. Quote, can't play like crap in a half on the road. We'll be fine. Get back to work. Get better. Denver next. End quote. But see, that's the really weird thing. They did get better during the same game, in fact, because the same Ravens defense that gave up four TDs to Andy Dalton in the first half forced punts on five straight possessions in the second half. So what does it all mean? Did the Ravens figure something out? Did the Bengals lock into those or luck into those TDs in the first half? I mean, who are the Bengals? Are they the juggernaut that we saw in the first half? Or are they the scrubs that we saw in the second half? Did the Ravens simply gas out on a short week after spending all day punching the Bills in the face? My point is, I have no idea. I really don't. Because you can never make definitive statements this early in the season, especially after a Thursday night game, because those games are always crapshoots. What I'm saying is this. I've got no idea how good the Bengals are. Just like I have no idea how good the Baltimore Ravens are. But I do know this. I know the Buffalo Bills are awful. That's the one thing I'm sure of. And I know you are too, Bills Mafia. That's the one thing I am sure of after a couple of weeks. The Bills are terrible. And I can base that based on what I saw in them in week one and based on what I saw last night. one 8686 That's my takeaway from the Ravens-Bengals matchup last night. My takeaway, the Bills are terrible. We are joined live by Kyle Brandt. KB, like you and I used to always say back in the day, H-Y-L. How you living? Van Smack. That's I am what living I was good, saying. man. You caught me in the little bit of a malted hops frenzy, but it is great to be here at Wrigley Stadium. The, yeah! My man has lost nothing at all. Kyle Brandt joining us. All right, so here we go. You've had a lot of big moments in your life. You are premiering a new show. You can talk to me in a moment about what that show is and what it represents, but how are you feeling? This thing's going to drop at 6 p.m. Eastern. You're a few hours off. How does it feel? Dude, I'm exhilarated. I'm terrified. This has been one hell of a week. It appears, and it, it, it debuts in a few hours. I said I want to do. I just taped it. Like I just walked off set. It's one of these live to tape deals. You know how that goes. I don't know what the hell just happened, but it's going to be on TV in a few hours. Um, I'll put it this way for the clones in a way they'll understand. This show is uh, it's crowded. It's crazy. It's chaotic. You're not sure what's up or what's down. It's kind of like the jewels teeth of TV shows. They're going to love it. Dude, you did not just go there. You didn't say that. It's like the <laughs> jewels teeth of TV shows. Hey, listen, That's you know, basically it, man. It's a mess. Don't you miss that? I mean, dude, dude, look, your your life and your career are shaping up beautifully. I couldn't be more proud of you, but don't you miss that? I miss it so much, dude, you would not believe it. Like, I get up in the morning. You know, my son Calvin is four now. And mm. so he's basically just at the maturity level of the clones. It's perfect. <laughs> so I can talk with him about Bob the Builder and Thomas the Tank Engine 
or we can do, uh, you know, Kelly Clark Barson or Jennifer Love Chewett or, you know, the late, great Philip Eat More Often, all the ones that used to come in on the email chain. He thinks they're hilarious, again, because he's four. And yes, dude, I really do miss the clones. I miss them badly. You've coached that kid up. I'm proud of you. He is the former EP of the program. He is the host, co-host of Good Morning Football and the host of the Kyle Brandt Football Experience, which is going to drop tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network. KB, I'm going to break the format and go right to the clones. Since you love the clones and you mentioned the clones, they've got a few questions. I solicited earlier today, Paulie T. Wall asks, quote, more nervous, first time hosting the jungle or calling the Bears preseason game? Um, first time hosting the jungle, it was, I mean, I did three hours of content, dude, in the first seven minutes of the show, but the Bears preseason game, again, I'll put it in a way that clones can understand. I was like calling in to the hack off and it was basically like Soldier Field, Chicago Bears, Val Kilmer, global warming dead on the floor. That was me, man. That's how I felt in Soldier Field. It's a really warm memory for me. All right. Chad and Lincoln asks, have you karaoke'd any Pearl Jam lately? No, 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 no. That would be the Pearl Jam. That that was Jay Stu or uh, Jay Chu. No, I haven't done the, the karaoke because I certainly have not together, gotten together with uh, Mr. Automatic as he's known. No, it's uh, I was the guy who sat there and laughed at him and filmed that while Jay Stu was uh, doing Better Man, which I think the clones then turned Jim into Butterman, which was a, a highly compromised second draft. Go ahead, Alvin. Have you got it? Give us a taste. <laughs> If you give Jay Stu like like three sips of one vodka cran, he's up there doing the butter man, and it was legendary. <laughs> Way to handle your business, Stu. Nice composure. <laughs> hey, clones, what's your weekend look like? If you're checking out some football, you should be checking out my bookie. Do you want to take it to the next level? Then you've got to get down, and no better place to get down than with my bookie. Trust me. They are the best bet this season. They've been in business for years. They have great reviews online, and their mobile site is very easy to navigate. Lay down some cash, win big right now. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. This is why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay, and they have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code Rome to activate that offer. A dollar for dollar match on your deposit? That is some serious ROI before you even hit the digital window. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. Do not forget to use the promo code Rome when creating your account to get that bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Kyle Brandt joining us. He is the host of the Kyle Brandt Football Experience. It's going to premiere tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern. Kyle, tell me about the show. How did that come to be and exactly what is it? It's nuts, man. It's Friday. And Jim, we'll just speak plainly here. Nobody loves a Friday evening like you, like me. This show is, goes on at gin o'clock. I mean, it might as well be sponsored by the Sapphire. It is so fun that it's on Friday. And here's, what, here's the deal. The NFL Network decided in their wisdom, 
idiocy, whatever it may be, to give me 30 minutes to just play. The show is so different. It's not on a TV set. I'm not on a desk. I'm not on a couch. I'm not on a miniature football field laying out the cover two. I'm inside the control room. I'm in the control room surrounded by 50 monitors, 5,000 buttons, and I get to be a mad scientist. There's like a deep, deep river of nostalgia that flows through this show. Like we will have the best highlight from week six, but we will also have the best highlight from 1986. We can play any play ever. And I will ask you, dude, every person that comes through the show, we say, you love football. I love the NFL. We all love the NFL. But everybody has the first moment that they got hooked by the NFL or the first player they liked or the first play. What was it for you? Everybody remembers your first, dude. Who who was it for you? I I got that. That's easy. In fact, it's kind of funny because for episode 50 of the Jim Rohn podcast, I had Ron Say in KB. You know, the Penguin was my idol. So growing up in Los Angeles, my three idols were... Ron Say, Gail Goodrich, and Terry Bradshaw. One of those guys is not like the others. It's Terry Bradshaw. The reason for that, I can remember my first favorite football moment, the Immaculate Reception. Mm-hmm. Franco Harris. The ball is going to Frenchie Fuqua. It goes up. Jack Tatum hits it. And out of nowhere, there's Franco off his shoe tips, up the sideline. Thanks for coming. My favorite and first NFL moment ever, the Immaculate Reception. And this is why I'm an L.A. native who is a Steeler fan growing up. That's incredible. And so you, you come on the show, Jim, you're sitting next to me, and the second you start saying Franco, the second you mention his name, I physically push a button, and the glistening Franco footage comes in at 1080p, and we, we talk about it, and we get misty, and we remember it, and there's all the behind-the-scenes stuff, because like, we have the whole NFL Films archives from any time. So we'll talk about it, we'll reminisce, and then we'll bookend it, and we'll wrap up with talk about this weekend Steelers game, and Franco Harris to James Conner, on and on. It is the past and the present at the same time. It's so fun, man. You'd love it. What a blast. The Kyle Brandt football experience premiering tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern on the NFL Network. It's already taped. He's done the work. Now it's just a matter of sitting back and watching it. Now, KB, if that was my first and favorite football moment ever, my second favorite football moment ever, if you were going to go there next and follow Mm -hmm. up, was that time that you blew out your Achilles in the (laughs) offseason. Broham, for the clones that don't know this, what happened to you this offseason? All right. So... Uh, KB's getting a little older. I, I ain't the guy that showed up off the days of our lives and cruised in here and cut my teeth on the text contest back in 2008. <laughs> Texting 37170 with your Emilio Textavez resets and all that stuff. That guy is long gone. So I was shooting a promo. That's, that's fancy talk for commercial clones where they put you on camera and they have you look. I'm the mad scientist of the morning show we do in the network. I'm the energizer guy. I'm the guy who, the catalyst. So they say, yeah, we love your energy. Jump around, do some karate kicks and do this and do that. And I'm on camera and lit and everything. And they, I say, shouldn't I warm up or something? Like, no, no, just get into it. So I'm doing like the Dirk Diggler kick and the Daniel LaRusso. And on camera, in the most glorious slow motion you have ever seen, I just get sniper right in the Achilles. It's like my foot explodes. It, it felt like, you know, the old, like, Rudy Tomjanovic, I feel like the scoreboard fell on my face. <laughs> I, on I, it, I on the like, head, actually, but yeah. Yeah, right. on my head. I'm sorry. Well, I feel like the scoreboard fell on my foot. Wow. And I turned around, and it was gone. And that was three months ago. And, you know, Brooke, my wife, and the, we had two kids under five. I became the third kid under five. So that, it worked out real well on the home front, too, dude. I, it went over great. <laughs> oh, dude, did you need surgery? 
I needed surgery, immediate surgery, and uh, yeah, I got it. They, they, they cut me, they went in, they reconnected, and now I'm in physical therapy. I it feel like if, if anybody listening, I'm sure it's so many people have, if you ever have in your adulthood a major lower body injury, it ages you by 15 years. And I really, the only silver lining that comes from this is I don't know how those athletes do it. Like these Richard Shermans, who's coming off an Achilles, or, or Terrell Suggs, or Eric Berry, I, I can't even walk up the stairs. N- never mind me coming up and hitting a running back. I can't carry the groceries out of the car anymore. I'm, I'm 39 right now, dude going on 65. It's a sad case. <laughs> it's incredible. Kyle Brandt joining us. Also about tonight's show, it's going to drop in a few hours. You've also pledged that tonight's show is going to include, among others, Steve Atwater, Rocket Ishmael, Dante Hall, Captain Kirk, and MC Hammer, and you're going to jam all these dudes into the first two minutes? True? First two minutes, man. And the rest of the show is the same thing. Make no mistake, like we will have Todd Gurley. We'll have the current stars. We'll have Todd Gurley. We'll also have Todd Christensen, Todd Light, Todd Sauerbrunn. We have all. There is, I'm not lying, there's a Rick Meyer moment in the show. But Dude, I love Rick Meyer. The current, who doesn't? Goshen, Indiana. I love Rick Meyer, too. He's in wine now, bro. He's, he's in wine. Bledsoe's in wine, and the two of them went one-two in the draft. So that's the kind of thing that we revel in. We'd be a sample segment would be like, so Bledsoe and Meyer went one to two, one and two. They're in wine now. Goff and Wentz went one and two. What are they going to be into at the end of their careers? It's tying the two together. It's really fun. Dude, I don't know if you know this, but did you know when you sat with Rick Meyer, you know he and our boy Rob Guthrie are really tight. Really? Yes. Yes. Oh, well, then uh, yes. a friend of Guthrie's is a friend of mine. I didn't right? know that. How did Guthrie know Meyer? They lived in, in San Diego. They're neighbors. They're kids. They know each other. The kids play ball together. They're tight. All right. Well, R- Meyer knows Rob Guthrie, but does he know Raj Guthrie? Oh, yeah. He knows Raj. He knows Raj. <laughs> we all know Raj. He knows Raj. Best guy in the world. Dude, I got to ask you before you go. So you and I have not done this. We really haven't done this at all, and we certainly haven't done it here. As you sit back, now you're really busy, but I know you've checked out the jungle on TV. Now, for a long time, when you and I were together and you worked here, you and I would talk about, are we going to roll this thing out on TV? How do we do this? We did it after you left. I know you've seen this from afar. What are your impressions and the clones? What do you think about the clones on TV? Oh, man. Let's get into this. All right. I never thought when I left the show, I never thought that the show would miss me for a second. I mean that. The show is the show. You're a grinder. You've been in it for years. I never thought the show would miss me. And then I saw the first time that the CBS Sports Network cameras went to the XR4TI and those faces were put on television. Oh my God. Let me tell you, dude, you miss me there big time. Hey, Alvin, very flattering angle. Very good look for you. And I watched that shot. And you know who I sympathize with? I sympathize with the guy who's controlling the cameras for the network who has to push that button because what is he supposed to do? Can he cut away from or pan away from Alvin's spike haircut? Because if he does, then he's just on James Kelly's scalp. And if he cuts away from James Kelly's scalp, then he has to look at you know, Adam Hawke's top-buttoned hipster shirt. There's nowhere to go. And you've said it. I, I'm watching the show, Jim, and they're going to the crew, and it's like, these hells have eyes. I'm saying, go back to Jim. And for years, you have told the listeners, more of me and less of you. I would tell the CBS Sports Network, listen, guys, 
more of me and less of crew. We're trying to do TV here. I cannot go to that shot anymore. I almost threw up. Oh, dude, more of me and less of crew. KB, you have never not thought that you were the best-looking guy of any room you walked in, but never more so than right now. That was brilliantly done. Brilliantly done. All right, so how many hours away now? 6 p.m. Eastern puts us at what? We are at about three and a half than, hours. Than, yeah, three three and a half hours if my math is right. And dude, my hands are shaking. You understand? You understand? You get the TV business, the network, the NFL Network is filled with Hall of Fame players and award-winning journalists and all these insiders and these amazing people and me, the like the the real world guy, the the jungle guy. I have been given this piece of real estate on Fridays, the day after Thursday Night Football. It's a very big day for the network. They gave it to me, and it's like I, I'm so thrilled, so flattered, and I just hope I don't blow it. Dude, they don't give things away. You earned those things. You earned it. They didn't give it to you. And one last thing on the way out the door. You were known for all those things and also known for the jukebox. So here's one more for you. On Twitter, Jimmer Smith, quote, Today is Friday. Would you have done an all-Beatles jukebox Friday today? Also, do you still back it in at the NFL Network? <laughs> An all-Beatles um, jukebox. Yeah, first of all, I would have done an all-Beatles. And uh, I don't know, let's just say we would have played a lot of things off the White Album. And uh, oh. I would say, no, uh, I don't back in anymore because now I get car service. So I just get out. Life is pretty good. But Jim, hold on. Let me say something before I go. I want to say something very earnestly. I am here in large part because of you. I've been around you for years. I find myself, now that I have this show, Jim, I'm not kidding, doing things that you used to do, preparing the same way, sending the same type of emails to my staff, almost word for word. So just make no mistake, Kyle in New York would never have happened without two people, Jim in SoCal and Toby in Houston. Those are my guys. I wouldn't be here without you. I love you. Thank you. The Jalen Ramsey verbal evisceration tour right now. It made its third stop yesterday. You'll remember he kicked off the circuit in GQ when, among other things, he called Josh Allen trash. He said Matt Ryan was overrated. Then he took that act to ESPN the magazine and said, quote, I don't think Gronk is good, end quote. It's a hell of a way to kick off those shows. And some damn good set list, too. Now the tour is in Jacksonville, and Ramsey is not playing acoustically to the print media anymore. Now my man is fully mic'd up, and he's at the podium. And like any great artist, he is mixing things up. So far, the hit list has been exclusively NFL players. But now Ramsey is going to the rare B-sides. Now he's lighting up his own family. No joke. Ramsey on Ramsey Crime. Check this dude out during a Q&A Thursday. Flexing his range of smack completely. When you play the game of football, I feel like um, to respect the game, you have to play it fierce. You got to play it. I, I, I don't believe in having friends on the field. Like, I mean, my brother, my dad, my mom, grandma was out there. Like, it's, it's on. Like, after the game, we can be cool. It doesn't matter. That's how I feel like you got to respect the game of football. The fo- football is not a game meant to be played, being nice to each other and, and all that, like kumbaya. Um, but after the game's over with, that's cool. So let me read that back to you one time in case you missed any of it. Quote, I don't believe in having friends on the field. If my brother, my dad, my mom, my grandma was out there, it's on. After the game, we can be cool. It doesn't matter. That's how I feel like you got to respect the game of football. Football is not a game meant to be played, being nice to each other. After the game, that's cool. End quote. If his grandma was out there, it would be on. 
So the natural follow-up to that is exactly what one shocked reporter went with when he asked, you wouldn't really hit your grandma, would you? No, I definitely would. She know that. (laughs) My grandma know that. I love you, but she know that. (laughs) Quote, hey, you wouldn't really hit your grandmother, would you? Oh, no, I definitely would. She knows that. My grandma knows that. I love you, but you know that. Yo, Nana, you get that? I love you, Nana, but I'd blow you up on the field if I had to. You know that. It sounds like Grandma Ramsey gets that because Ramsey said that she does three times in three sentences. Quote, she knows that. My grandma knows that. I love you, but you know that. No, I definitely would. She know that. (laughs) My grandma know that. I love you, but she know that. Since she already knows that, that message really wasn't for her. It was for the reporter and for the rest of the world who thought that he might be bluffing, that he might just be talking junk. Josh Allen, trash. Matt Ryan, overrated. Eli, good, but only because of Odell. Gronk, not good at all. Grandma, it's on, and she knows it. In other words, if she's on the field, she best not be asking Jalen for a glass of warm milk. Sir, um, could I trouble you for a glass of warm milk? It helps put me to sleep. You could trouble me for a warm glass of... Shut the hell up. Now you will go to sleep, or I will put you to sleep. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. Oh, dear. My man Ramsey is on right now. Scorched freaking earth. Does not matter who you are. A division rival, or his mom, or his mom's mom. It's on. And if Grandma knows it, then we all should, too. You already know I love this guy. And I already know that a bunch of you hate this guy. But as he told ESPN last month, quote, a lot of people are going to hate me before they like me. I'm perfectly fine with that, end quote. Right. Because why would a guy who would lay out his own nana on the football field give a damn what you think about him? He wouldn't. And he doesn't. And it's all part of his swag. And it's not like he's running junk that he can't back up. He's probably the best corner in the game already. And if he was on your squad, his gamer would be in your closet and you know it. Family on family smack is as strong as it gets. I can't help but think of one of our very own who did the same exact thing. Rick in Buffalo. He dealt that same card in this year's smack off. You'll recall. And there's no bigger a-hole Yankee fan out there than my old man. He's the type of insufferable D-bag who brags about having seen every inning of every game since 1960. Sure you have, you fat ass. Funny how you leave out the fact you sleep through the last three innings every night. And your snoring's really starting to piss off mom. And I'm sick of her calling me to bitch about it. This guy just called his dad a fat ass and an insufferable D-bag. And a liar. And he snores, and he's sick of mom calling him to bitch about it. You see, there's a name for dudes like that. A name for dudes like Ramsey and Rick. Lone Wolves. Lone Wolves gotta eat. Luckily for Grandma Ramsey, she is not lining up against her grandson this Sunday. That'll be Gronk's job. No doubt. One of, if not the, best and biggest tight ends in the game. Trevor Price said it the other day. He said on our RPO podcast, how is it that in a league of freaks, in a league of gigantic people, Gronk just seems bigger than everybody else? Ramsey's going to get a close look. But if you thought that that matchup scares Jalen Ramsey, then you clearly do not know Jalen Ramsey. You saying this to me, is it supposed to like bring fear to me or something? No. All right, then. I don't fear no man, period. 
So he's going to have to come out there and line up for me. In other words, I don't have to deal with him. He has to deal with me. I mean, this dude makes football fun. How do you hate this guy? This guy makes football fun. I don't care whether he's on Odell, Gronk, or his own grandma. I'm watching this cat every single week. And I'll be at every single stop of the Jalen Ramsey verbal evisceration tour as well. Can't wait for the next stop. Bruce Feldman, back in the jungle. Bruce, great to have you back. How are you? I'm doing great, Jim. Good to be on with you today. It's good to have you on, Bruce. As always, lots to cover. You know, it's kind of tough to draw conclusions, Bruce, from the first week of college football. But now that we're entering the third week, are you starting to get a sense of which teams are legit and which ones are not? Yeah, look, I mean, I think a lot of it is kind of what we expected. Alabama and Clemson and Georgia look like they are amazing talents and just so much deeper than I I think just have their starting 22, but really the depth of the rosters kind of shine through. The the thing that I think we're going to find out is a couple things. So first of all, you know, I think Oklahoma and Kyler Murray has been a lot sharper than some of us thought they would be without Baker Mayfield. I think Lincoln Riley is a great coach, and I think Kyler Murray – is looking like the guy we heard how great he was, and especially was in high school. Obviously, the the competition is going to step up, but the you know this is a big one this weekend for Ohio State, who I would put in that you know Clemson Alabama category of elite elite talent. Now, there's no uh, Urban Meyer on the sideline this weekend against TCU, but Gary Patterson has a really well coached team. They have a lot of athletes on both sides of the ball. This is a legit test, and I'm curious to see how Ryan Day, the interim head coach, is is going to handle it. I I think this is going to be a – this is one of the best games of the first month of the season, I think. That's a great matchup. I love that one. Bruce Feldman joining us. So let me go back and talk about some of the things that – some of the teams that you mentioned, like Clemson. For instance, Clemson, Bruce had a scare against Texas A&M last week. Is that just a tough game on the road, or is that a cause for legitimate concern for Clemson? No, I think it's a a really tough environment to play. Texas A&M has plenty of athletes. I think Jimbo Fisher's done a really nice job with Kellen Mond. There's a dual threat quarterback there. And quite honestly, you know, they're going to, at Texas A&M, is probably about as talented a team as, as uh, especially on the road, as tough as a game as Clemson may see in the regular season. I mean, I just don't think the ACC, aside from Clemson, is very good this year. So to me, they're, they're so good on defense. But I think there are a little bit of concerns you know, in the secondary that Jimbo Fisher was able to attack somewhat. Um, and we'll see. I mean, Kelly Bryant, the quarterback, he responded well. He's the experienced guy. Uh, I think this is a, is a legit playoff national title contender, and nothing I saw last week changes my opinion of that. Bruce Feldman is my guest. You know, Bruce, speaking of the quarterbacks, what do you make of the way that Dabo Sweeney is handling his quarterback situation versus how Nick Saban is handling his quarterback situation? Jim, you know, I, I think because Nick Saban is the best college football coach we've ever seen, what he's been able to do in this era, it's hard to question his rationale on how he handles things. It's not always the most diplomatic. It's often not the most diplomatic, but it's hard to, to find fault with the results. Whereas, whereas Davo Sweeney, the vibe around his program, I, I don't know if I would say it's much more laid back, but it is there's a there's just a vibe of maybe it's way more upbeat and i think you see that even in a case of his defense coordinator brent venables is highly sought after probably could have gotten a bunch of different head coaches but he really likes his situation there it's not like davo sweeney has one offensive coordinator he has two guys share the role it works 
And I think you see that with his two quarterbacks now, whether it's Trevor Lawrence, who's the hot shot freshman who everybody raves about, or Kelly Bryant, who's the guy who's been there and, and worked his way up and is really well respected by his teammates for that. It all kind of fits well. And I think that stems from how Dabo Sweeney manages it. And I just think, in the, you know, whether it's Dabo or Nick Saban, I just think it's a vanilla and chocolate where, you know, it can be personal preferences, but you cannot argue with the end product because they both win at an extremely high level and they're able to keep things on track when other places will really struggle with complacency and those kinds of issues and those guys in their own ways, because I think they're just authentic to who they are. They make it work. Chocolate, chocolate all day long. Bruce Feldman joining (laughs) us. All right. So you had this amazing stat earlier this week, Bruce. Tua is 10 for 10 on third downs for 207 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, for any quarterback to have those kind of numbers would be unreal, but how do you explain a guy who's barely started a game having that much composure in third down situations? I think he is just wired for that. Having been around him a little bit and talked to people who have been around him a lot, they just said he has this unflappable demeanor. And I remember being around him this summer when he was at this private quarterback camp. He was talking to a lot of top high school quarterbacks. And the question was really about how did you handle this where you're the freshman, you're coming from Hawaii, and there's teammates who may be married and come from different places and have all this other investment and time, and and they're older, and how do you connect with them? And it was like a a multi-layered question. And and Tua's perspective is he naturally simplifies things. He's like, I don't really think about it like that. I only think about they grew up playing the game, the same game that I love. And it may have been in a different place. The weather may have been different but it's still the same game. And I think just how he's wired is not to overcomplicate things, whereas that position as quarterback, whether you're Nick Saban's quarterback or your Cliff Kingsbury's quarterback or Urban Meyer's quarterback, it's a complicated deal, whether it's in college or not, just because you're dealing with you know inexperienced guys and in all kinds of different systems. And he does not – he just like kind of is always seems to be – at a tempo that is comfortable for him. And he's really talented. He's got a great arm, and he's really got good feet. But I just think it's that kind of poise and presence that makes him really rare. And that's why I think, you know, he's going to be a star, not just in college, but beyond that. Bruce Feldman joins us. Now, Bruce, this weekend you're going to work Houston, Texas Tech, which means you get a chance to see Ed Oliver up close. I had Major Applewhite on the program earlier this week, and we were talking about what makes Ed so special. In your mind, what makes him so different, so unique? Two things. We, we, you just never see a, such a high-level athlete who plays as hard on the D-line as he does. Because when you talk to coaches who've played him, they said it's the run stuff down from the backside, the effort plays. Uh, you know, one of the coaches I talked to said, we had a play box blocked perfectly. It should have gone for 40 yards. And you're like, Ed Oliver runs it down on the other C gap and it becomes a four-yard gain. You're like, that shouldn't happen. How does that, That's not supposed to happen. And he makes that play. He's just got an incredibly high motor. He's he's super explosive athlete. Uh, what's, what I think is also unique about him is when we talk about other great D linemen, and this year is, is, good, is probably the best crop of D linemen as we've seen in college football, Clemson's got a bunch, Ohio State's got a bunch, but Mississippi State's got you know, a bunch. With Houston, all eyes are on Ed Oliver. He's the guy, if you're in a triple team anybody, it's him. And he still finds a way to be ultra productive, and I think that's a credit to him and 
you know, I can't wait to watch him, watch him from field level this weekend because, uh, you know, everybody's always gunning for him, and he still delivers. Guy's amazing. Bruce Feldman joining us. All right, so another big game in the state of Texas this weekend is USC going to Austin to deal with the Longhorns. Bruce, USC is coming off a tough loss to Stanford last week. They scored just three points. How much of that was about Stanford being that good, and then how much of that was about JT Daniels making his first road start? I, You know, look, Stanford has a really good secondary. I was impressed by them. That was our game for Fox last week. Uh, the, the issue I thought that surprised me was Stanford. No, I think coming into the year, most people would have assumed and thought that Stanford's D line was its biggest question mark. They lost Harrison Phillips, who was a really good player the year before that. Solomon Thomas was the best D lineman out west, and there was questions there. And yet, that Stanford defensive front just harassed J.T. Daniels and shut down the run. I thought USC's offensive line has been a huge disappointment so far. And that's been a problem for USC for now much of a decade. And I don't know how Clay Helton really gets that fixed uh, because JT Daniels is talented. He's, you know, he's impressive when you watch him play. They got really good skill guys, both at receiver and running back. But if they can't block, it's going to make, you know, Sam Darnold was a little bigger and he was so creative and at extending plays and making things happen. Yeah, he might have some more turnovers than anybody would like. But I think he covered up a lot of flaws that right now with a true freshman, I think that just puts that much pressure on JT Daniels. And somehow this offensive line has got to get a lot better because it's just putting too much on a true freshman to be thrown into the middle of it. And I'm not saying they're forcing him to have to have to play Superman, but what Sam Darnold did, that's Sam Darnold, people forget, had a year to get acclimated. JT Daniels is jumping right into the deep end of the pool. And that's, that's tall order for any, any true freshman. We've got a couple of more moments with Bruce Feldman. And, Bruce, obviously patience is not a strong suit of the Trojan fans. We know this. And then you've got Texas. They're 1-1 one and one after that season-opening loss to Maryland. Then they bounce back. They beat Tulsa last weekend. How do the Longhorns look to you in year two of Tom Herman? They look shaky. I mean, we had them week one against Maryland. They were really inconsistent talking to Tom Herman coming off the field at the end of the first half. He was like, we're in our own heads. We're trying to be too perfect. So he went to up tempo to try to get them kind of get them to settle down. And I think you see that right now. It's a team a little bit like USC, which I think is struggling with its own identity. I think there's some, some good players there. If I was a Texas fan, I might be frustrated, but it's only year two and it's only the beginning of year two for Tom Herman. Uh, you know, he showed at Houston, he's, he, he's, knows what he's doing. I just think that right now you have a lot of one step forward, one step back from this team. And they have you know, the best leader, Sam Ellinger, who's a second-year sophomore. And I think sometimes Sam's not going to look great when he's doing it. He missed some throws. He missed some reads. And I think because of that, you have a team that is very inconsistent. And I don't think they have – you know, they have good receivers. The running backs are okay. But it's not like – they're playing with right now with anything like what Alabama or Clemson or those guys have. They have good talent. They don't have great talent. And I think so that adds to it. Their margin for error is not what most people would assume it is. And I think, you know, they got to build confidence. And I think this, this didn't kind of fall apart overnight. And I don't think Tom Herman is going to get it fixed overnight either. It's going to be interesting. Bruce, one last thought. When you were running down your picks for the week, you gave some love to North Texas. And I had Seth Luttrell on the program this week. Man, I'm so impressed with what he's done with the Mean Green. What would a win at Arkansas mean for him and for that program? 
I think he's one of the hottest names in coaching. I mean, it did not take him long. Even before they started winning last year, I, you would hear a buzz about how the presence he has in a command. He's an air raid guy under Mike Leach, but his, his personality is very different. He's an old-school Oklahoma fullback at heart. Uh, I think he's going to have his – there may not be as good a jobs out there like there were last year when there's five Pac-12 and five SEC jobs open, but I think – Sepulchral can be pretty choosy because he knows he's got a good thing in North Texas and he's going to keep building his little quarterback's a heck of a player and he's going to have him for at least another year or two. So I think he can be choosy. I don't think he needs to jump at just a, a better job. Uh, he's he, That would be a heck of a win if they can they can beat an SEC team, and I think they're going to do it. I really was surprised the spread was as big as it was for Arkansas given how good that quarterback is and what Seth's done at that program in a short period of time. <laughs> <laughs> One more tweet like that, you'll get blocked. Block! Block! Welcome to the jungle. A very good Monday to you. My name is Jim Rome. I hope you had an amazing weekend. Lots to get done on this Monday. That's what I'm talking about, baby. That's more like it. The first real day of the NFL season, and it delivered. Today, it's only about one dude. Aaron Charles Rogers. Yeah! That's about as bad a sight as there wasn't a single Packer, Packer fan, fan, shoot, a single football fan who wasn't sick to their stomach seeing Aaron Rodgers go down with a knee injury last night. This is Willis Reed. It's only a matter of time before he did what he did. He knew it. Packer fans knew it. Even the Bears knew it. Ty Montgomery. So when he comes jogging out of the tunnel, felt like you know how Jesus was walking out of the tunnel. Within the third quarter, he rose again, just you know resurrected this football team. Kick on the way. It got blocked. Ah! I'm not going to tell you that a tie is almost like a win, and it's better. Than a loss because that a felt like a loss. Browns, Gunner Brown. Lawrence Taylor ain't walking through that door. That's Bo Jackson, Tecmo Bowl stuff right there. Except on defense. Joe Moorhead, what's it been like to work with T-Bot? He's a living legend. I mean, one of the right? best ever do it at the college level and the NFL level. God, he used to have this amazing swagger about him. Oh, he does still he st- does. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Does he still have that? Jim, his swag's on 10. I mean, there's no question about that. So, <laughs> ain't no question when he walks in a room who T-Buck is. Fabian, what's up? You know, you caught me off guard like always, right? All right, see you later, my amigo. Deep. I love when Fabian calls me and says, hey, Romy, man, you always catch me off guard. How'd I catch you off guard? You called the program. <laughs> Kamu Grugier Hill is my guest. You know, I had 60-year-old men coming up to me with their parents' ashes and stuff. The first pass attempt of the career. M-E-S-S, mess, mess, mess. Here we go again. That's a jet touchdown. And I could not have been any more impressed than I was with the way he bounced back. He starts that game like that on the road in prime time and completely turns it around. Marshawn is off to his left. It took a half dozen. He goes into the end This guy put the team on his back. I put the team on my back, dude. The Rams team. This is RPO, Rome Price Opinion. Patrick Mahomes, now you see why the Chiefs gave him the rock. Travis Kelsey's going to have to catch that huge kick of mess that's a football out of space. Email. Take a look at Sean McKay. Let's see what else. Todd Gurney is a beast. Aaron Ronald, maybe the best non-quarterback in the NFL. Aqua Talib. Don't sleep on Cooper Mug. And be sure to proofread your emails. The third interception that's of the game for Matthew Stafford. If you really are a rocket scientist, now is the time to prove it. Well, I gotta do a better job. Sure, Matt, you I'm can put a man on the moon, but can you stop a halfback screen? Carson Palmer is my guest. Jim, it's been a while. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. Carson, I don't know if you know this or not, but Ryan Fitzpatrick, did you know he went to Harvard? I played with Rhino. Oh. In, uh, in Cincinnati for a couple years. So, yeah. Leather helmets and have you played that thing out in the parking lot or something. 
Lee Evans joining me on the program. What the heck's going on? You don't know why nobody's hiring you. You lost your job because you were calling sex workers for years. Man, I hate it when that happens. Yeah, because I'm going to take a parody, Larry, masturbation parody. Sure I am. Then take down the call off the screen. It's from Paul in Liverpool with the subject, do you want to come over later and have some fun? Did you tell Jim to stop sending his fan they asked base me if I would uh, help participate in this smack-off thing. And then he came out to the house. Your house. Yes. You hosted yeah. clones at the house. You did this. Yeah. yeah. Brandon Cooks. How would you describe the locker room right now? Uh, it's an awesome locker room. We have so many leaders, and I think that's the beautiful thing about this team. No one steps on each other's toes. I'd say it's Winston Churchill. Who yells out his name when they're hanging out with their friends? And I mean hanging out. Vikings running back Latavius Murray, my guest. Are you expecting to see Aaron Rodgers on the field? I would expect him to find his way on the field. No, I think we'll be ready to go either or. Joe Kelly. So I blacked out. Let's just, let's just be honest. 21-year-old kid on draft day with some Jaeger. Um, it's not the best combination to, to talk to scouts. And what, what kind of money are you looking for? We'll take to sign you. got to be over a million bucks. And they're like, all right, cool. And they hung up. The next day, puking my brains out. I think being drunk on my 21st birthday for the draft was all meant to be. You know, if I was sober, I might have been an angel. You never know. Hey, Hawk, spit your gum out, man. Be a pro. Me and Adam are even tighter. I don't fear no man. Period. Lee, Axel, Hamilton. I'm going to give you a quick story, okay? Bruce Feldman joining us. Extremely high level, and they're able to keep things on track when other places will really struggle. Struggling. Complacency and those kinds of issues. The way this team looks. I'm hoping someone kills me. I, I'm watching the show, Jim, and they're going to the crew, and it's like, these hells have eyes. I'm saying, go back to Jim. Uh, I don't back in anymore because now I get car service, so I just get out. How please. Hey, how you doing tonight? I'm great. How you doing? A little nervous, but... Uh, I couldn't tell. Dumbass. I'm a comfort lad. Great day to be in the jungle. Raider Nation cockroaches. Sir Paul <laughs> McCartney. Holy <laughs> War Subarus. Ooh, Sniper. Go Coach. BGB. Kobe in Houston. Good night now! Shane, it is so good to have you on. Good morning. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me, Jim. I appreciate it. Shane, it is great to have you. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Now, you're coming off a win on Tuesday where you had a career-high 11 strikeouts. You became the team's first rookie pitcher to win 10 games since 2010. So how does it feel to be on the mound, and how good was it to have a performance like that in September in the major leagues? It feels good. It feels really good to kind of, you know, get a little bit of momentum going. I know I've, uh, you know, about five outings previous, I was struggling a little bit, you know, second time, third time through the order, and was able to, uh, you know, notice some adjustments to make and actually make those adjustments my last outing and, and go out there and compete and, and really just try to eat up innings as I can. Um, you know, for this team, you know, they're going to put up runs for me and, and play great defense, and we know how how fundamentally sound this team is in all facets of the game. So, Really, I'm just trying to be myself and go out there and and compete as much as I can, and, and you know, it's panning out right now. Indians pitcher Shane Bieber, my guest. You know, Shane, your teammates and Terry Francona and the coaching staff rave about your composure and your ability to make those adjustments. You know, I make that point about you having a showing the way you are in September in the majors because your season started with you in A, then you moved to AAA, and you already have 10 wins in the majors this season. So what's the entire year been like for you? Is it kind of what you expected, or maybe are you even ahead of schedule? Uh, I'd be lying if I said I expected it all to work out like this. Um, you know, I just try to stay ready as well as I can. And, and you know, I think a lot of guys will tell you things kind of have to line up, especially in the minors, to, to move from one level to the next. And uh, just being ready for my opportunity when it came was what I was trying to do and, and trying to be myself throughout, you know, every level, whichever level that may be, if I was in the minors or the majors. And um, I think that's 
what's working well for me right now is I'm trying to simplify things and, and just be myself wherever I may be. You know, if I, if I was in AAA or, or AA earlier this year or, you know, pitching in Cleveland. So just trying to keep things simple in, in times of stress and just to be myself is, has been the biggest thing for me. And, and uh, you know, it just it just keeps me comfortable out there on the mound just realizing, you know, it's the same game and it doesn't matter where I'm at. But, you know, I have a job to do either way and I got to go out there and do it. Shane Bieber in the middle of a pennant race with the Indians, played his college ball at UCSB. You know, I had Terry Francona on the show earlier this year, Shane. He was talking about you, and it's really clear to me how much respect and appreciation he has for you and the way you handle your business. What's it been like playing for Tito? It's been awesome. You know, he's such a good, great baseball personality, and everybody loves him within the community, and everybody loves him in this clubhouse. And, you know, he does such a good job commanding this team and, and, and leading from the front and you know keeping things loose but also you know uh staying competitive in all aspects so um it's it's been pretty surreal just to to play for a guy and play for an organization that i i watched so much growing up and and you know knew so much about and um didn't really uh you know back then i didn't expect to be where i'm at right now so just to be able to be where i'm at and to soak it all in and, and to be competing for a team like this in, in, the, in the spot that we're at right now is, has been pretty surreal. We're talking to Shane Bieber. Listen, you're handling this really, really well. I don't mean this, but I mean everything that's going around with you being in a pennant race in September and knowing your background, knowing that you played your high school baseball in Orange County, you went to UCSB. I mean, I'm really amazed by it, but every baseball player dreams of the moment when they get that word that they're getting that call up to the major leagues. What about you? What was that moment like for you personally? It was crazy. I was actually coming off one of my better outings in the uh, in Columbus, I had like a a rain shortened no hitter, unfortunately. But I uh, came in the next day, and, and uh, our pitching coach and, and head coach they said they wanted to watch some video with me because I was working on a changeup specifically. And uh, I was sitting down watching a video with our pitching coach Steve Carse, and he was showing me some right on right changeups and all this stuff. And then uh, head coach Jeremy walks in and and says, "Oh, uh, Carse didn't tell you." And I looked at Carson. He goes, "Oh yeah, um, all these clips. I don't know if you noticed, they're all at <laughs> at Target Field in Minnesota. You're pitching there on Thursday. Wow! And it was pretty crazy. You know, you, you hear stories about um, you know coaches maybe making them a little bit more special or, or kind of surprising guys like that. And it was a it was a cool feeling. I was I didn't know how to react. Uh, it was obviously a whirlwind of emotions, like a lot of guys tell you, but. Um, I'm glad they made it kind of interesting like that. It's something real special that I'll never forget. Shane, it's a great story, but you kind of glossed over that one thing, a rain-shortened no-hitter. You had a seven-inning rain-shortened no-hitter. What was that like? Uh, It was weird. It was weird. That's not exactly, you know, everybody dreams of throwing a (laughs) no-hitter. That's not exactly the the situation you dream up. But, um, you know, unfortunately, there are circumstances out of our control that, you know, shortened up the game. Um, you never know how it may have ended up, but I would like to test my luck there. But uh, you know, I'll, I'll take what I can get. I'm not going to complain about it. It was a it was a fun moment for sure. We're talking to Shane Bieber for a few more moments. Now you go into the clubhouse and you've already made a name for yourself, not just with the way you handle your business, but also with your Mario Kart skills. Carlos Carrasco <laughs> was really happy when you arrived because he tweeted, "Quote: Glad we found somebody who can beat Jose Ramirez in Mario Kart. Are you the best Mario Kart player on that team?" I wouldn't say that. I think uh, Cookie just caught me in a good moment. That was a that wasn't just a one race matchup. We had like a, a four race tournament style going, and I think he only caught the one on video, the only win that I got. So um, it pains me to say it, but I think Jose is, is definitely number one in the clubhouse right now. I got some work to do. 
We're talking to Shane Bieber. All right, Shane, Cho to Cho. You played your high school ball for Tim Ellis at Laguna Hills High School. Then you went to UCSB. What was it about mm-hmm. UC Santa Barbara that made you feel like that was the place you needed to go or wanted to go to? Um, I think first and foremost for me when I was thinking about where I wanted to go, it was, it was probably my number one regardless of baseball. So that campus and that school right. is just so – so prominent i think they just saw i think i just saw that they were ranked um top five public schools in the nation number two baby um, number two number two was it number two it yeah, was that's incredible so i mean you know as well as anybody um it's just an incredible place incredible place to go to school and you know outside of the how prominent the academics are and and prestigious and the degree is just a, a it's a perfect place to go to school the the weather the the location everything it's it's an awesome place and um it was my number one with or without baseball and then i i was able to you know get a, a recruited walk-on offer and i was like so you'll get me into school and uh they said yeah and i took a little leap of faith and you know everything worked out from there but um, you know, it's an incredible place to go to school, and I'm so glad I made that decision and stuck with it. From recruited walk-on to a 10-game winner with the Indians already. Now, from a baseball standpoint, you said that maybe you were a little bit undersized coming out of high school, but our guy Andrew Checkets, the head coach, loved your mentality. Now, Shane, I had Joe Kelly from the Red Sox on yesterday, and he was talking mm-hmm. about pitching for Checkets at UC Riverside. What was it like for you to play for the coach at UCSP? It was awesome. I think I learned a lot from him, um, you know, in all aspects, but most most importantly, I think uh, I learned the mental side of the game. Um, I think he, he really understands uh, how to compete and how to create competitors. And I think that was one of my biggest takeaways from my time at UCSB was really how to go out there and compete and be you know, mentally strong on the mound because we all know it's a tough game to play and it's a game of failure. And just to be able to go out there and, and you know, put failure to the side and, and go out there and compete no matter what the situation may be. And um, I, think I, I think I picked up a lot of... Um, mental cues from him as 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 well as you know pitching cues and and mechanical work and all that stuff so um it, it was really the right choice for me uh, as far as going to Santa Barbara just in multiple aspects like I said you know Chekets was a great um pitching mind and he does such a good job of develop, developing pitchers there that um, it really was a win-win for me in all aspects. He is so good. Listen, before we go, Shane, because you were right in the middle of one of the greatest moments ever for the Gaucho family. You were part of that amazing 2016 team that went to Omaha in the most dramatic way possible thanks to Sam Cohen's <laughs> walk-off grand slam. What do you remember about that game and the moment when you guys clinched that trip to Omaha? That was crazy. It was, it was, a, it was a crazy feeling because you could feel the, the way the inning was going to go um, You know, right off the start of it. I think we had couple really good APs, J.J. Muno, base it up the middle, Billy Frederick walk, Dempsey Grover walk, I think. Um, you, you might have to fact-check me on that, but I think that's how we loaded the bases. And then, you know, the, the freshman pinch hitter, Sam Cohen, you know, uh, the rest was history. So you could kind of feel the way it was going before it even happened, and it was it was just crazy to see it come to fruition and actually happen. And kind of kind of blacked out after that happened. We were all so fired up running the home plate and, and dogpiling and all that, but it was it was such a crazy moment, and it's something I'll never forget, and something I'll cherish with those guys forever. I mean, a final thought, Shane. Do you draw upon those experiences? For instance, you started some huge games. You started the first game of the Nashville Regional, the first game of the Louisville Super Regional, the first game of the College World Series. These are all really high-pressure situations. Can you draw upon them now in the major leagues, and what you learn from those opportunities? Absolutely. I think I think. 
the biggest thing I took away from those was really enjoying the moment. Um, not a lot of people get the opportunity to to pitch in those types of games and, and to pitch in the major leagues. So I just remember, um, you know, in the regional, super regional, and and in Omaha, just kind of really taking it all in before I stepped on the mound, um, whether it be before the first or second inning, whatever it was, just really look around and take it all in and absorb it and enjoy it and then go out there and make the most of it. So I think I I I learned how to do that you know, in those big moments in college and then was able to do that, uh, you know, with my debut and then my first start in Fenway and all that stuff. And I, it really creates a, a fun environment to pitch in when you can kind of take that moment to reflect on where you're at right now and, and how cool of an experience it is and then go out there and compete and, you know, hopefully everything comes together and goes well. But regardless, uh, you know, not many people get these kind of opportunities. So I'm just trying to make the most of them and enjoy them. Rick. In Buffalo. Rick, what's up? I'm a little more pissed off than usual, Jim. Bills fans knew this year was going to be a rebuild, but we weren't expecting a complete freaking disaster. Sean McDermott was brought in here to fix the defense. Instead, his unit just made the Ravens look like the greatest show on turf. Baltimore could have put up 70 if they wanted last Sunday. Makes me long for the glory days of Dick Duran. And is it too much to ask Professor McDermott to bring in an offensive coordinator who, I don't know, actually knows how to run an offense? I've seen more innovative play calling at fifth grade recess. And, of course, it's time to bring in Josh Allen when the only other quarterback on the roster has a QBR of 0.0. Is there any other choice? And if Allen gets killed, he gets killed. Hell, the way this team looks, I'm hoping someone kills me. And a quick update on Justin Southfield. Inside sources tell me his gender reassignment surgery is almost complete, which means instead of impersonating me or Mike and Andy, he'll probably come in here as Rosemary in Houston. So when he starts his next call by saying, Rumi, you rock. I don't want anyone to be alarmed. War someone on the Bills actually having a pulse this Sunday. War KB destroying as many New York City public bathrooms is humanly possible. Thanks for the vine, Jim. I'm out. All right, Rick, thank you very much. You are one of my favorites. Man, I love you. You're still good for the show. Gender reassignment is not cool. That's not cool. Do not make light of that. That's not funny. L- look at me. That's not funny. Good night now! How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love.